0: Some people may naively argue the privacy question by saying that they have nothing to hide. But true privacy isn't about hiding. It's about protecting. Stop targeting and price trackers. Start searching in private.
1: Welcome to Enemy of the Surveillance State, where we discuss news, tips, and open source tools to help you protect your privacy in an age of mass digital surveillance. I am your host, C. Mitchell Shaw, and joining me today from StartPage is Alex Kubiak, Senior Product Manager at StartPage, and Kelly Fenerty, Director of Brand and Content at StartPage. StartPage bills itself as the world's most private search engine. We're going to be discussing the steps that they take to protect your privacy and why you should consider Startpage as one of the tools in your privacy toolbox. This week on Enemy of the Surveillance State. So a few weeks ago, I uh, got a message on Twitter from Startpage uh, that they had seen uh, some episodes or listened to some episodes of my podcast and were interested in reaching out to me to see about uh, having someone from Startpage on the show to discuss why Startpage uh, should be in your toolbox. And so uh, after a conversation back and forth for a little while, and then some things that I'll get into at the end of today's episode that are more private in my life and have nothing to do with the conversation that I'm having with StartPage today. Uh, so be sure to listen to the end of the episode today. So for those of you who tune it out, as soon as I get boring, uh, you, you don't want to do that this time. You want to hang around because I've got an announcement uh, at the end of this that'll sort of explain why uh, it's been so long since I've done an episode. And, uh, you know, I've had some some issues in the past. And uh, so we'll talk about that at the end of this. But getting past all of those things in my own private life, uh, I finally got back up with, uh, with StartPage and I've uh, got them on Today on the show. I've been using Startpage for a few days now. As your regular listeners know, I I like DuckDuckGo. I really, really like DuckDuckGo. One of the weaknesses of DuckDuckGo, though, in my opinion, and everybody's allowed their opinion, and since this is my show, my opinion matters the most, and you should listen to it. Um, The most glaring weakness to me, and in fact, it may be the only glaring weakness uh, that I can think of off the top of my head, is that DuckDuckGo does not return the same results as Google. Now that's a pro and a con. There's a reason for that. Google, as we all know, filters their results, right? So uh, they know that I am C. Mitchell Shaw and they're going to filter results to me that they think somehow their algorithm says are more in line with who C. Mitchell Shaw is when I do a Google search. So I'm not going to see the same results. I've done this test with two laptops side by side, mine and my wife's, uh, and do the same search and return different results. DuckDuckGo consistently gives you the same search results, no matter who you are or where you are. If you do a search for any given thing, you're going to see the same results as anybody else who does that search for that given thing. But there are times when in writing for the new American magazine, I need to see what Google would return. I need to see Google results, but I don't want to open up google.com to do that. Uh, and to be frank, uh, Google is, they're very good at what they do set aside the privacy concerns. And I've said this, I think I said it on the very first episode of this show. Uh, Google is very good at what they do except for the privacy issues. So I'm really enjoying start page and and either one of you, either Alex or Kelly, feel free to answer this, uh, just for the listeners, tell us who you are when you begin to answer the question, what is it that really sets start page apart? from something like Google or Bing or Yahoo?
0: Sure, Uh, this is Alex, I can speak to that. Google, Bing, Yahoo, all these uh, search engines that don't build themselves primarily as being privacy focused, are when they're interacting with users, the user is much less the customer than it is the product themselves. A lot of these free services, that's something that you have to be mindful of because things are rarely truly free. You're just not always paying with money. So when there's a product that isn't billing itself as privacy being its number one mindset, you can assume they're probably collecting data about you. And when you dig into these companies' privacy policies, that is confirmed. They're collecting things like your IP address, your device, your browser, and that's just to start. And that's already user identifying. I mean, an IP address already shows down to potentially even what room in a building you're in. Um, past that, they can be collecting your search activity, creating a profile of you that might be more intimate than what uh, your friends or your partner knows about you, uh, the websites you're clicking on, what times of day you're searching, trying to figure out your sleep, they can figure out your sleep schedule, your work schedule based on your search habits. And depending on the browser and device you're using, then they can tie in your photos, your emails, purchases you've made, your contacts, and your network. And this information is used for a myriad of ways, including targeting you with manipulative ads and content, placing price trackers on you. So maybe you end up paying a lot more for a flight because they know you're using an iPhone. And people with iPhones tend to have slightly higher salaries. And you can probably afford that more expensive flight. and then at worst they sell your data to advertisers, politicians, etc for behavioral advertising. So that's kind of the lay of the land of non-private search engines. How Startpage is different is that it builds itself as privacy first. There's no compromise when it comes to your data and that's how we uh, that's how we feel. So we put in our privacy policy as well as, you know, all through our website and marketing that we're not collecting this information. The number one easy to understand piece that we're not collecting is the IP address, first and foremost. We store it nowhere, we don't see it, I can't see it if I try and go look in data somewhere, uh, we're not passing it to Google for the results either. So IP address is just not a factor and neither is any other personally identifying information, which makes it so that every time a user visits our site to start page and to Google, who's providing the results, it's just another search. We can't tie people together based on their searches. We don't know anything else about them. And from our point of view, every single person could be new, or maybe we only have one user that's searching millions of times per day. There's no way for us to know, so there's no way to build a profile on you, which means you're gonna get the exact same search results that anyone else in the world would be getting. There's no man- manipulative ads and content. There's no price trackers. All of that is gone.
1: That's amazing. So. By way of analogy, um, in the very first episode of this podcast, I talked about rewards cards at grocery stores and what have you. And like, I remember when you'd go to the grocery store and a can of beans was just on sale or ears of corn were just on sale. Nobody does just on sale anymore. Now there's their regular price and their price if you have the card. And of course, the card is so that they can tie all of your purchases together into a single profile what I did not say in that episode, I, I don't think I did anyway. And if I didn't, shame on me because I really should have. Imagine if every American, I just give out my phone number right here, right now on this, on this podcast. And then you all share it and people share it and everybody shares it. And so when you go to Kroger or wherever and you're going to make a purchase, you say, oh, I forgot my card, but here's my phone number. And you put in C. Mitchell Shaw's phone number. So now we're all using that same account. All of those purchases are being dumped into the same bucket And then of course I never even pay for gas again because you all are all using my rewards card and I'm getting like $12 off a gallon of gas or whatever. Um, but, there would be no way for them to track that because it's all in one bucket. They don't have individual buckets. One for C Mitchell Shaw, one for Alex, one for Kelly, one for Bill, one for Bob. It's just one bucket. All they know is that everybody bought everything. They don't know that C Mitchell Shaw, his favorite beer is Killian's. And my favorite beer is Killian's or Guinness. So if anybody out there wants to send me a gift, that'd be great. So is that similar, uh, Alex, to what you're describing in the way these search results are all dumped into one bucket?
0: That's a great analogy. Um, It's just like the grocery store example. But if the grocery store example could also come into your home and, you know, tell you exactly what to buy with advertising that follows you around 24 hours a day.
1: Oh, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they do because they sell that to data brokers who then put it all together into even more intimate profiles. Startlingly accurate is the phrase that I usually use to describe this because, you know, once Kroger knows my shopping patterns there and Best Buy knows my shopping patterns there and Google knows my search engine results, then all of that gets sold to some data broker somewhere who knows me, like you say, better than my wife knows me truly better than I know myself because being a human being, I lie to myself about my motives and my intentions, but the algorithm just sees numbers. It just sees the truth. Uh, so, um, you know, this sort of all relates to, since we're talking about like Google, let let me ask you now, you all actually have a business relationship with Google in that you buy search results from Google and return those results to me. Uh, so just is, is that accurate in the way that I phrased it? That's correct. Okay. So then it's a little like you're acting like a man in the middle. Uh, so a man in the middle, by the way, in in uh, privacy or security terms is usually a bad thing because it means that someone in between me and say Coca-Cola.com uh, is intercepting my traffic and they know what I'm looking at on Coca-Cola's website or what I sent in an email or what happened in a phone call or a text. You all aren't doing that. That's not what I'm saying. So I want my listeners to be clear that this is like the good man in the middle. This would be more like I don't want to search Google, but I really need that Google result. So I turn to my friend and I say, hey, man, do a Google search for me. Uh, And then he just tells me what he finds or sends me a list of URLs and a document. Is that a good way of explaining what you all do?
0: Yeah, that's correct.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So where this really comes down then is... um, you all don't capture IP addresses. So even if you wanted to, you could not turn IP addresses over to Google. Um, But does Google get any information from you all?
0: Google does get some information. I can't speak to all of it being that some of it is contractual propriety information, but what they're not receiving is your IP address first. They're not receiving a, a lot of other in, what we feel are individually identifying characteristics, such as things like your browser dimensions and screen dimensions. Those are things that as you, you know, pull your screen left and right, it can become different pixel dimensions, height and width. And normally that goes to your search provider as well. And we're doing all sorts of rounding into buckets so that it looks like there are fewer unique combinations of elements we're sending to Google. And that's one of the ways that I can divulge of how we're massaging information before we're sending it over.
1: No, that's, that's, that's cool. Um, Look, I get that we don't live in a perfect world and um, what, what I want my listeners. So if you're listening to this show today, what I want you to take away from this is that uh, there is a broader landscape right now in the privacy spectrum than there really ever has been. You know, I, I bill myself as, Uh, When I write for The New American, one of the profiles that often runs below my articles is C. Mitchell Shaw, blah, 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 blah. And he was a privacy nerd before it was cool because I was that guy that like before uh, Ed Snowden's revelations, uh, I was the guy going, hey, guys, you know, Google's grabbing everything. And uh, if we're going to have a private conversation and you've got Google now or I think I think it was called Google now back then. Um, you know, if you've got that on your phone, really, I, I'd rather if you turned your phone off before we have this conversation. And my friends were all like, dude, you are crazy. You, you need to fit yourself for a new tinfoil hat. Cause I think that one's a little tight. And then Ed Snowden drops everything. And all my friends are running to me going, wow, man, what do I do? You know? So like more than seven years later, the, the privacy landscape is larger than it was then, because back in the day there was like one or maybe two email providers that that I felt like I could trust with with my privacy, one or two search engines. You know, there was and and still really, I'll just say it. There's DuckDuckGo and there's StartPage. Uh, if I if I do a search, I probably wouldn't use another search engine. If if, there, if you're out there and you're listening, you know of a another privacy oriented search engine that I should profile on the show. Reach out to me. Uh, email at enemyofsurveillance at protonmail and and let me know what you think but it's it's a wider space right now there are more companies and more people that are concerned about privacy than ever in the past and i think that is fantastic kelly do you have anything to add to to sort of where we are right now in the conversation
2: yeah no um i i love that we do have more companies entering the privacy space um you know alex and i will always keep an eye on the news to see what the, the latest New product, whether it's a search engine or a messaging app. Um, For us, we don't see other privacy um, products as competitors. For us, we're really excited to see new products enter the space because for us, it's about really number one, raising awareness that data collection occurs and that people have the power to take some of that back. So so many people feel like the, the, the price they have to pay to access the internet (laughs) is with their personal data and information and privacy. So for us, um, we look at DuckDuckGo as a great, um, as a great tool for people. We're all about choice. Um, and so, you know, if you want uh, a European based search engine that delivers Google results anonymously, Page is the choice for you, but we're always excited to see more privacy products, um, enter the space.
1: You know, that is one of the things that I really love about the, the privacy, space um is that so i had todd weaver from purism on uh, a, a few months ago and we were talking about the new uh Librem five smartphone that he's he's come out with that's you know really sort of still early i mean this is not a daily driver right now but it's it's moving toward being a daily driver so that you have a device that you can carry everywhere with you because that's what you do with a smartphone uh that protects your privacy and respects your privacy Uh, And one of the things that he said was that they've open sourced everything in that, the schematics, you can actually download the schematics. And if you wanted to build that phone yourself, you can source the parts and build that, that phone yourself. They've outsourced or open sourced all of the software. So you could actually just recompile all of that software. And I said, Todd, what keeps somebody else from coming along in a year or two or five and building your exact phone, except with a few tweaks that they put in? He said, oh gosh, nothing. And I hope they will, right? So that is what I love about this, this space, because in the, I want it all space of, um, surveillance software, Google, Facebook, Twitter, or maybe not, maybe not so much Twitter, um, less so, so maybe I shouldn't have even said Twitter, but Google, Facebook, Microsoft, you know, their model is everybody is a competitor because there's only so much to go around and I want it all. But in the privacy land space, I keep saying, I keep seeing more and more of, Hey, there's plenty here for everybody. And the main objective is that we just need to protect people's privacy. So uh, e- either one of you feel free to answer this. I know that DuckDuckGo, uh, their business model, their monetary model, uh, because look, we live in a, in a material world and everybody has to make a profit. I, too, am a greedy capitalist pig uh, and in saying that if anyone wants to support the show. There'll be links in the show notes uh, for my Patreon page and also my Teespring page where you can go on and either at Patreon support the show with a few dollars per month, whatever you're comfortable with to help the show keep going. Uh, And then also on Teespring, you can buy some really cool merch, t-shirts, hoodies. I know it's it's July and nobody's going to buy a hoodie, but, you know, stuff like coffee cups, things like that, that you can kind of show off that you are an enemy of the surveillance state and support the show at the same time. Um, But being a greedy capitalist pig, I recognize like it's important like everybody has to eat and keep a roof over their heads and the things that we do we need to make money doing or we really sort of can't justify some of those things right so duckduckgo's model is ad based you will see ads now you can opt out of those ads but you will see ads what is start pages business model how do you guys make a profit
0: it's very similar to that it's it, it's using ads as well get, get more into the nuance of ads we call them behavioral ads versus contextual ads in the space of search result ads, and Startpage is only ever using contextual ads, which is completely based on your search term. And other search engines like Google and the non-private ones are always using behavioral advertising, which uses the pages visited, searches performed like you were mentioning with your and your wife's uh, comparisons in the search results. Both um, I mean, Star Beach absolutely 100% uses only contextual advertising, and that's what we would say is the number one important um, differentiator as far as the ads that you're getting. But And if someone clicks on that, an ad is how we make the money there.
1: Okay, so if I, if I do a search for uh, dozen roses and then put in my zip code, right, because I need to find a dozen roses and I don't want to go to Sheboygan to get them right? And I don't live near Sheboygan. I don't even know where Sheboygan is. It doesn't matter to me. But so because I I do a search for one dozen roses, my zip code, I'm going to see ads for florists in my area, which duh, that's what I'm looking for. So this is very fair. And if I click one of those ads, then you all pick up a couple of shekels. Okay. But tomorrow I do a search for sneakers or tennis shoes or boots or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to now see ads based on yesterday's search for a dozen roses. Correct. Because that's gone.
0: And even if you searched again today for dozen roses and didn't put a zip code, we would have no idea where you were looking for the roses. As far as Google is concerned, they would return ads for florists within a similar zip code to where our servers are based in the U S
1: that's awesome. So, so let's say one of your servers and I don't know where your servers are, but let's say one of your servers is in, um, you know, New York city. Uh, so then I do a search for roses, one dozen roses. And I I'm going to see like three or four ads for like midtown Manhattan and things like that, because, (laughs) Because Google, Google's just going to look at where the server is located. It can see the right. IP address of your server. So it just assumes that's where I am. Because again, going back to my, my model earlier, you guys are acting like my man in the middle. Right. So yeah. I, so, so I call my buddy in Oklahoma city and I say, Hey man, I, I need to, I need to find some roses, do a search for me, do a Google search. He does a Google search. He's going to like, here's, here's a phone number you can call. Dude, that's in Oklahoma city. Well, I'm in Oklahoma city. Of course it's in Oklahoma city. So, so similar to that then. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So there were a couple of really neat news uh, pieces uh, in the last couple of days. July 14, Digital Trends reported Google sued for allegedly tracking app users who opted out. So this this matters to this conversation, though this is not about search engine results. Uh, This is not about searches. This is about, you know, I've got this Google app or that Google app or any other app. It doesn't even have to be a Google app. It's just an app that has permissions for Google. Uh, On my say, Android or iPhone, and I do a search, and I've opted out on that app of having that information sent over to Google. Well, as it turns out, Google is dishonest. Uh, Their business model is essentially uh, dishonest because they say, "Fine, you've opted out," but in reality, and this was also reported by Reuters, it was also reported in a couple of other places. In reality, Google is absolutely grabbing that data. They still have access to it. They've allowed themselves a backdoor into that stuff that I have specified. I don't want them to have access to, but they still have access to it. Uh, And this matters a great deal because what it means is it's just one more plank of confirmation on this sort of bridge of why you need to move away from Google and get Google out of your life entirely. Google simply can't be trusted. They will say this is similar to a few years ago with the Google uh, applications for Education, the GAFE suite, uh, where Google was caught three times spying on, uh, surveilling, uh, vacuuming up data from school kids. So Google makes these uh, these Chromebooks available to schools at little or no cost. and In reality, no actual cost, even if there was a small cost attached uh, that's offset in other ways. So of course, schools are like, yeah, we'll take a thousand of your computers for our students. We'll do that, a school system. Right. And then Google's like, but we're not going to spy on your kids because they're they're minors and we don't want to see their. And then as it turns out, they were and they're like, okay, well, really, really, really this time we won't do that. And then they did it again. And then it was really, 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 we won't do this. uh, And I think we have to assume they're still doing it. Now, this all comes up, uh, folks, because uh, California actually in the United States right now has the best privacy laws in the United States now. Uh, for a guy who typically refers to California as being on the left coast, that seems a little weird to me, but this is not a political issue. This isn't left versus right. This is privacy versus surveillance. This is a very different animal. And so uh, you know, people try to politicize this and make it a left versus right thing, but the reality is uh, I don't care if there's a, a blue D or a red R after some congressman's name or some senator's name. What I care about in this space is uh, where does he stand on my ability to own my data? And California right now is the one state that's really taking a strong stand in this. So this class action lawsuit is in California. Uh, and it's uh, I'll put links in the show notes to this. And it's kind of a big deal right now because, uh, you know, we're having to look at like, what does it mean that California has this law and other states don't? So you all are based um and either Kelly or Alex, feel free to answer this. You all are based uh, in the Netherlands. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's correct.
1: So the laws uh, that you fall under are laws regarding or emanating from the European Union.
0: Right. And even within those Netherlands specific laws.
1: Which is even more uh, protective, more protective. I want to say stringent or restrictive But it's not restrictive of the user. It's restrictive of of the companies and their ability to harvest data from those users. So these are very, very uh, liberty oriented. And that's a capital L liberty, uh, freedom oriented laws, correct?
0: Right. It's the most protective of the
1: users. Awesome. That is great. So so with you all having uh, to abide by European Union privacy standards and even like you say, more more uh, protectively, Uh, laws in the Netherlands. See, I'm not, and my listeners uh, and people who read what I write at the new American, they're going to know that I'm not in favor of like these big intrastate government entities. So I'm not a fan of the European union, but what I am a fan of where the European union is concerned is that the European union on the planet right now has some of the best laws protecting people's privacy. So like, for instance, there's this uh, article from ZDNet, and I'll put a link in the show notes to this as well. Headline reads, Siri, Alexa, and Google Assistant in the spotlight as Europe launches Internet of Things investigation. So the Internet of Things, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is like your smart watch, your Alexa device, your smart refrigerator, these things. You don't interact with them to search the Internet. You don't interact with them. Actually, in regard to the internet at all, but they interact with each other and with their masters via the internet. So, you know, there's this big to do where Fitbit is being uh, purchased or hoping to be purchased by Google, and the European Union is likely to stymie that. Google is going to have to make all sorts of promises that they won't keep uh, about how they're not going to harvest users' health data. Uh, I can tell you, my Fitbit is in a box, and I never plan to put it back on my arm if this if this deal goes through. Uh, so, th- so these kinds of things, you all are protected. Uh, are users who use Startpage, uh, or you, you also have an, uh, an email service, Startmail, correct? Right.
0: It is a separate business, but
1: yes. Okay, there so sort of a sister, thing. a sister thing there. Yes, um, yeah. and, and 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 all of that is protected under under the privacy laws of the European Union. Okay, that's awesome. That's, I mean, that is really, really cool. Um, so I know that in the past there have been some, you know, because the privacy landscape is, and I think we can all be excused for this because here's the thing. Uh, I was, so I was talking to um the intern uh, Henry, and uh, just a shout out to Henry, what a a super great guy helped me get all this set up with Start Mail or Start Page. Uh, we did a sound check at first, kind of. uh, He introduced me to each of the, the the ladies that are on the show with me today. Uh, and so one of the things that we were talking about during the sound check was, uh, how in, in my place, uh, in sort of putting myself out there as a voice, not the voice, but a voice for privacy. Um, I find myself having a lot of conversations, Alex, where people will say things like, oh, well, if you don't have anything to hide, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, why do you care if you don't have anything to hide? And then, of course, in the very first episode of this podcast, I dealt with that question, why privacy matters even or why surveillance matters, even if you have nothing to hide. If you've not heard that, uh, just scroll down and find that one and make sure to listen to it. Uh, But, you know, this is part of what I do is help people to understand, like, guys, there's an issue here. And here's why that issue exists. And some of the things, uh, Alex, like you talked about, the ability to collate all this information together into one profile so that, you know, uh, you know, I pay more for an airline ticket or I pay more for life insurance or health insurance or whatever than somebody who doesn't do the same searches that I do does. And I've talked about this. Like if you're visiting gambling websites, you're probably going to pay more for car insurance because the insurance companies are going to see you as a higher risk because you're a gambler and gamblers are risk takers, uh, that kind of thing. So then the moment a person buys the idea that there is a problem, they, many of them immediately transition over to This problem is so big, we can't do anything about it. And the truth is, we can. Uh, So we can do searches like Start Page or DuckDuckGo or something else. We can uh, de-Google our phones with something like Lineage OS running MicroG. We can move over to a private email service like ProtonMail or StartMail. There are steps that we can take. We can move our texts away from the normal Google text app over to something like signal. And so you know we can do that. There are steps that we can take, but then because we uh, we've been inundated with all of this, we become sort of a paranoid group of people, right? So there was a thing a year or so ago, uh, and, and either one of you feel free to answer this, where you all were delisted on one of the uh, privacy, uh, I think it was a uh, blog.privacytools.io. Uh, you all got yourselves delisted from there. Because your company was acquired by or in part acquired by another company that makes their money through ad based clicks. Is that correct?
2: So it was, it was, um, and it was an interesting situation for us, a big learning. And then at the end of the day, it turned out to be a very positive experience for start page. Um, so we received an investment from system one, um, which is a consumer uh, tech, uh, company, uh, based in the U S and When we posted um, an announcement about it on our blog, it got picked up um, in Reddit channels where we just didn't have much of a presence at all as a business. And um, when we caught up into the conversation, we were probably a few days behind, um, but there was some really valid um, and worthwhile questions being asked, which we welcome, you know, people to ask every single product out there that says uh, that they are private. So the questions they were asking were about our data flow. They were asking about more questions about, you know, why would system one, a company that does make money from ad um, ad revenue, be interested in a privacy product like StartPage? Um, so what we first did internally as a team was to say, you know, like, how can we be as transparent as possible? As quickly as possible. Um, And so from a team that had zero presence on Reddit, um, we turned that around within just a few days um, with Robert, um, our founder, um, writing some very comprehensive answers to the people's questions. Um, One of the biggest uh, responses that really helped us Earn back the trust, or earn the demonstrate trust for for the community for Privacy Tools IO, which is um, a, you know an, an organ um, a member based organization with um, you know people who really know know their stuff and care about privacy to take time to review privacy policies and products. So when we published our data flow, uh, which we're to our knowledge the um, only private search engine to have published their, their data flow, and we were transparent about that. Um, and, you know, walked the community through exactly how um, we anonymize searches. Um, that really showed the community that there's true people behind StartPage who care about privacy and are willing to be as transparent as necessary with people to make them feel comfortable and confident in our product.
1: Awesome. So uh, you broke out just for a second there, but, but what you said is that it, to your knowledge, you are the only search company to publish your data flow, uh, Uh,
2: private, private search, engine only
1: private search engine, uh, to, to publish your data flow. Can you talk, uh, just for a second about what that means to the end user who might not understand even what a data flow is?
0: I can speak to that.
1: Okay. So, so, so folks for earlier, that was, uh, that was Kelly and now we're going back to Alex.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, I can speak to that a bit. A lot of tech companies are intentionally, uh, you know, ob- obtuse with technical jargon uh, to intentionally confuse a user, just like they are with legal jargon and privacy policies. And if you check out our privacy policy, it's very easy to read and easy to understand what we are and aren't doing. And so we really wanted to do the exact same on the technical side. It's just as important. So... We really wanted to illustrate for our users what is happening from the moment they open startpage.com and hit enter on a search to what comes to us, what we send to Google, what comes back to us, what we render for the user, and you know how that affects their, their next search and their next one. And we wanted it to be, as Kelly said, extremely transparent there. So we walked through extremely deliberately and you know, if you look up the start page data flow, you can find this. When someone does a search, everything is going through two layers of servers that we own, the first of which are housed in cabinets that we own, that servers that we administer, and those are responsible for this anonymization proxying layer that we refer to, and that's the one that strips everything of what we consider personally identifying or even hinting at identifying information, including things like query, like we are never logging even the query, not even separately from your IP address. It's just not happening. So it the data flow really walks through what happens at that layer, how the anonymization works. And then once the data is stripped away and we just see. Someone did a search at this time. We pass what we can onto Google just so, you know, we do pass the query to Google so they know what results to render, obviously. And then when, and we send them with that, our server's IP address, that premise server. That's what Google sees coming in. It comes back to us. Then we are able to display and style the results for the user, but none of their information ever even got to our logs, much less Google's logs.
1: That is awesome. So again, that, that really cool man in the middle who just says, yeah, I'll do that search for you. Uh, but no one's going to know it was you that wanted to know this. So, uh, you know, sort of asking for a friend, right. Um, that is, that is awesome. So, um, coming out of that though, and this is it's the transparency that I really love, uh, the way you all handled that again, you know, maybe you were caught a little off guard initially, but I think you more than made up for that in the end. Uh, and then in a subsequent post, Privacy Tools relisted you and and uh, did an entire uh, post on the information that you provided uh, and the fact that you published that data flow and all of that stuff. So I'll uh, I'll also be including a link in the show notes to all of that. Um, so just to sort of round things off, ladies, uh, and I really appreciate both of you being on the show with me today. This has been uh, very enjoyable. It's it's just nice to know, like you say, uh, Kelly, that there are real people out there that really care about privacy that are running these companies. Uh and, you know, it's it's okay, I think, that um you received an investment from this capitalist company whose whose orientation is not privacy, but their orientation is profitability. Cause what it means is that they see StartPage as profitable. Uh, that they understand that there is a landscape out there of people like C. Mitchell Shaw that care about privacy. And I'm not going to use Google. I'm not going to use Bing. I'm not going to use Yahoo. I'm not going to use these search engines who exist to harvest my data. I'm going to use something like DuckDuckGo or Startpage. Uh, And so there's a profit for these companies to invest in something like that and allow your infrastructure to grow, allow you better marketing capabilities and to get your message out there about who you are, and I think your ability and your willingness to be so um transparent about that once you realized that you know people needed answers to this, you provided those answers. I think that's fantastic, so thanks for doing that. Uh, is there anything that we haven't covered in this episode that either of you ladies feel like we should have covered
0: one we ha- one thing that I wanted to add was when we were talking about the differences of start page from other private search engines, and we covered that it's based in the Netherlands that it uses Google results. Those are two of the main points. But the third one that we haven't mentioned was our feature anonymous view. It, it exists to allow users to branch out from just searching privately to also navigating and browsing privately. And you'll see a link next to all of the search results that allows you to visit that site within a a proxy frame layer as if, and to the websites, it will only see that start page is visiting it. So it allows you to continue to navigate route to other sites while still within the start page shield of privacy.
1: Absolutely, I saw that and I thought that was super cool. I'm glad you brought it up because I had intended to mention that and I just neglected to do that. So going back to my analogy about having your friend do the search result for you, I turn to my friend and I say, Hey man, can you do a search for a dozen roses for me? And he goes, yeah. And then he just turns his phone toward me so I can read that off his screen. It it, it's private. You you don't really get a lot more private than that. So uh, to sort of explain that I go to startpage.com, I do a search for a dozen roses beside every one of those listings is this anonymous button. So I can actually view that anonymously. Sure. It opens in my browser. It opens on my machine, but not as me, if I understand that correct. Is that right?
0: That's right. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, we have to be conscious about the browser and machine you're using because they will, you know, they will also know who is using it, but as far as the search sites are concerned and the websites that you're navigating to, you'll be completely anonymous from them.
1: So is this, do you all offer any kind of um, service through Tor? Uh, So if I wanted to do a start page search through Tor, uh, is that something that's baked into start page or would I need to open Tor and then go to start page?
0: It's not baked in at this time. It's something that we've had relationships with Tor in the past actually, and that's something that is, consistently top of mind because of the similar privacy mindsets.
1: And I'm going to be doing an episode on tour. I've talked a little bit about tour in the past, but I'm going to do an entire episode on tour in the near future uh, for, the, for you listeners who don't even know what I'm talking about, but basically it's a um, proxy uh, similar to a VPN. It's just a way to uh, search the internet as anonymously as possible to browse and visit websites and everything goes through layers of encryption and fake IP. Well, not fake. They're actually real IP addresses. They're just not your IP address. Uh, and it's very, very cool. Um, I have always uh, just enjoyed Tor. It's it's only gotten better and better over the years. So we'll do an episode on that in the near future. Well, Kelly and uh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. And Henry, if you're still listening, thanks for uh, setting this up for us. Really appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate what Starpage is doing. And so for my listeners, I'll say that um, if you're looking for another tool in your toolbox, check out Startpage. Uh, They seem to really be doing things right. Uh, I know it's going to be added to my uh, re-added because I've used it in the past, but it's one of those things you just kind of fall away from. So I'm going to make sure that that is uh, in my list of of bookmarked sites so that when I need to do a, a quick search, I've got more than one option. Ladies, again, thank you, Henry. Thank you. And for my listeners, um, before I do the outro on this one, I've got that announcement that I'm going to do for you all. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to roll out of this conversation with that outro, hang around for about five more minutes. And, uh, I'll be making an announcement about kind of where things are going, uh, privately with me, you know, personally with me and, um, and why it's been so long since I've done an episode. So God bless you folks. Thank you, uh, again, very much Kelly and Alex and Henry, uh, for being here with me today and setting this up. So, um. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Thank you as well.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks so much, Mitchell. Um, I have one question for you. Okay. Who are you sending these dozen roses to?
1: <laughs> My wife, today, actually, uh, I don't know Th- this isn't going to make it onto the uh, onto the podcast, but today today is our anniversary. Uh, so oh, congratulations. Yeah. Tw- twenty nine years today. We grew up together. We just did it after we got married. Uh, I was 20 and she was 19. Um, so, um, yeah. So if I send a dozen roses, it, it's, it's either going to be to her or to my daughter who just got engaged. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so lo- lots of good stuff going on right now, along with the the stuff that I'm going to talk about coming out of this. But, but I'll go ahead and tell you all, um, just because we've been having this conversation all this time, and you might wonder what I'm going to be announcing to my listeners. Uh, I just found out a few weeks ago that uh, in the past few weeks, I've had a minor stroke. Um, no, no damage was done to speak of. I had a little bit of a droop on the left side of my face. And for a moment there, I was having difficulty uh, with hard syllables in the middle of multisyllabic words. And having spent this much time with me, you know that I'm verbose, uh, yeah. which is a nice way of saying I like the sound of my own voice. Uh, and so I, um, as a result, then I just kind of had to step back uh, today Marks, I think, right at one month since my last weekly episode of this podcast, which, you know, I've got I've got to have listeners out there wondering what the heck has happened Um, because I've not reached out to anybody. I just had to take that time to sort of um, get my head on straight and and deal with like, how do I move forward? Uh, Some things in my life that are changing. Uh, I am trying to quit smoking. Uh, That's that's one. And then, uh, you know, just getting a bunch of tests run and all this other stuff to figure out where I go from here. So, um, you know, it's, it's just been really, uh, it's been a, a weird, uh, a weird month and a half for me. Uh, and I actually did that last episode of the podcast post stroke, but pre finding out about the stroke. So it was, um, once, you know, when a doctor says stroke to you, you kind of stop and go, okay, I'm not doing anything for a minute now. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to go sit down and not do anything. So, um, Yeah, I kind of, you know, I'm playing a lot of catch up right now because, uh, like I say, my bread and butter is writing for the New American. So I'm doing a lot with them. Uh, And I got behind on all of that because I I did take a couple of weeks where I didn't do anything at all. I didn't even touch my laptop for two weeks. Um, And so anyway, uh, you know, got got all the good stuff going on in my life, got all the weird stuff going on in my life. And it's just been a lot of fun. (laughs) Just keep keeping things interesting so that nothing gets boring. (laughs) Well, but,
2: thank you for sharing that with us. And it seems like you're pretty well into your road of recovery. I am.
1: Th- yeah. The doctor said happening. everything should be fine. Um, oh, it's just going to be a matter of time. The the, the droop is almost completely gone. I, I think maybe once or twice, you all probably didn't hear it, but I picked up on it once or twice in this conversation. I, I, I kind of struggled with a word here or there, uh, but it's not, you know, I mean, I've got a friend that recently had a stroke and he, it's like he got hit by a bus. Um, and I think, you know. I pray for him and I thank God that, uh, that it wasn't that bad for me. This is more a shot across the bow, uh, just to say that there are some things I need to be paying more attention to in my, in my personal health. So, uh, if, if, if any of you are praying people, I would welcome your prayers. So, um,
2: well, will most definitely be in our prayers. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, you know, uh, when Henry, uh, kind of directed us to, is your YouTube channel. Okay. Um, you know, we were all saying, like, hopefully this is just the beginning of us having conversations with you and being helpful to you um, because you're raising awareness around privacy, which is our absolute mission as a company. Absolutely. So the more, like, the more information, the more kind of, uh, you know, we can help promote you also on our social. Um, Please just be um, kind of in touch with us as as much as you like uh, on social or by email. You have our email addresses. We'd love to know more about um, everything that's going
1: on with you. Absolutely. I'll do that. Hey, listen, here's the thing. So I needed to make this announcement to my listeners anyway, and we've continued this conversation. I've pretty much made the announcement. Um, and I never stopped the recording. Have we said anything after I said goodbye earlier that you all would not want published? And if you, <laughs> okay, well then, um, that is it. I've made the announcement. Uh, so, um, I'll, I'll say this in, in closing to my listeners. um, Uh, one of the changes that I'll be making at least for the interim is that I'm not even going to attempt to make this a weekly podcast right now. I'm going to go to a bi-weekly format. Uh, if the mood strikes me and I decide to do an episode in the interim in between those two weeks, then I will. And if I don't, then I won't. I ask all of you to be praying for, for me, C Mitchell Shaw and for the show enemy of the surveillance state And please consider uh, continuing, if you've not already done so, to support the show using Patreon or the Teespring account. Uh, And again, uh, my guests today have been from Startpage. This has been one of my very favorite conversations ever. It has been just a blast getting to know you all. And we will definitely stay in touch. I imagine I'll be having you all back on the show. And we'll just continue our conversations uh, moving forward. So God bless you. Stay safe. Uh, And if you're out there, don't lick any doorknobs or anything silly like that. There's still this weird COVID thing going around. And uh, we'll catch you uh, in a couple of weeks on Enemy of the Surveillance State.